Psalm chapters 6 and 7. Psalm chapter 6 verse 1. To the overseer with stringed instruments on the octave. The overseer may be the director of music. A Psalm of David. O Jehovah, in thine anger reprove me not, nor in thy fury chastise me. This could be after David's great sin when he committed adultery and then he tried to cover it up by committing murder. That was the big downfall of his life. It led to many consequences, but it also led to some songs that he wrote talking about his grief over his sin and his desire to be made clean and whole again by the Lord and his desire to be forgiven. So here he's asking God to stop chastising him and to stop being angry with him. To favor me, O Jehovah, for I am weak. Heal me, O Jehovah, for trouble hath been to my bones. Every time we sin, we get wounded, either psychologically, spiritually, or physically. Every sin leads to some sort of wounding. Nearly every time that we have sinned, we need healing from it in addition to forgiveness. David's sin had wounded him, so he needed healing. 3. And my soul hath been troubled greatly, and thou, O Jehovah, till when? He says, how long am I going to have to suffer? He isn't blaming the Lord. He knows it's his own fault, and we'll see that in many of the Psalms. He really was sorry for what he did, because he did confess it to the Lord and come clean, but he also wanted the consequences to come to an end. The consequences of when he committed adultery and murder, those consequences actually lasted throughout the rest of his reign as king. Ultimately, that's why Absalom was coming after him. That was one of the consequences. For turn back, O Jehovah, draw out my soul, save me for thy kindness sake. He reminds God that God is very kind. And this is one of the key character traits of God is his kindness. This is why you and I didn't get destroyed instantly the first time that we sinned, nor the thousandth time that we sinned. He's reminding the Lord that he would like to see more kindness, probably in the form of mercy. 5. For there is not in death thy memorial, in Sheol, who doth give thanks to thee? He says, if you let me die, I won't be able to praise your name anymore, so please keep me alive. 6. I have been weary with my sighing, I meditate through all the night on my bed, with my tear, my couch I waste. He sleeps on a couch, which a lot of rich people did back then. They either had a bed or a couch. He sometimes sleeps on the couch in his great depression. And it says that he cries so much on his couch that he's ruining the couch. And he's exhausted from all of the crying. 7. Old from provocation is mine eye. It is old because of all mine adversaries. This is saying that he has enemies, so it could be later on when Absalom was coming after him. And he says his eyes are old. Now if you're crying, it will feel like your eyes have aged five or ten years, because everything gets really droopy and puffy. 8. Turn from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for Jehovah heard the voice of my weeping. The people who were coming after him to usurp the throne, he is telling them to go away. 9. Jehovah hath heard my supplication. Jehovah my prayer receiveth. 
it's interesting how this song evolves so rapidly from him crying all the way to him being vindicated, which actually did happen. Absalom was destroyed and the people who were supporting Absalom scattered and David kept his crown. 10. Ashamed and troubled greatly are all mine enemies. They turn back, ashamed in a moment. Now this also is prophetic about Jesus because in a moment, Jesus will appear in the sky. The entire world is going to see him and everybody is going to bow and pay him homage, including all of the practicing sinners who hate him. The atheists, the witches, everybody, they're all going to pay homage to Jesus. And then he's going to take his church up in the sky with him. In an instant, all of his enemies will be ashamed. And that concludes Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 7, verse 1. The Erring One by David that he sung to Jehovah concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite, O Jehovah my God, in thee I have trusted. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. So the title of the song is The Erring One, which means the person who made a big mistake or the person who's wrong. This song is about one of David's enemies. Now, there was a time in David's life where he was the erring one, where he sinned greatly. But this song is most likely about King Saul, who had sinned against the Lord, and then his kingdom was given to David, and then Saul hated David and pursued him and tried to kill him more than once. Saul didn't obey the Lord's commands. Then he tried to kill David, so he erred upon error. David's only hope was in the Lord to save his life. So David began his reign as king running for his life, and he ended his reign as king running for his life. Somebody was always out to get him. 2. Lest a tear as a lion my soul, rending, and there is no deliverer. David is asking the Lord to save him from those who pursue him, which was, at this time, King Saul and his men. They even pursued David into caves in the wilderness. And he says, if you don't save me, Lord, they're going to tear me up like a lion tearing its prey. Three, O Jehovah, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands. Four, if I have done my well-wisher evil and draw mine adversary without cause. Five, an enemy pursueth my soul and overtaketh and treadeth down to the earth my life, and my honor placeth in the dust, Selah. And Selah is a musical terminology, and we don't really know what it means. You know, there's a lot of terminologies in a choir book, and he says he wants the Lord to save him, but if he actually is guilty of any sin, he's telling the Lord, then allow my pursuers to overtake me. Now he's saying this with confidence, because David knows that at this time he wasn't guilty of any sin. He hadn't done anything wrong. He was really walking in righteousness and doing his best to obey the Lord, and yet he was being pursued anyway, because the man pursuing him, Saul, was an evil man. And in this song, he doesn't call Saul, he calls him a Benjamite, which Saul was. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he also calls him a Cushite, which technically Saul wasn't, but it's a metaphor. Being a Cushite would mean that he was a foreigner, and Saul was acting like a foreigner. He was not obeying the word of God, and he wasn't acting like a godly king. He was acting similar to a pagan king, totally dismissing 
the word of the Lord. But he's also not mentioned by name out of reverence, because it was David's practice never to dishonor King Saul. 6. Rise, O Jehovah, in thine anger, be lifted up at the wrath of mine adversaries, and awake thou for me, judgment thou hast commanded. David is asking for judgment in his favor against Saul. Now remember, the word judgment in the Bible is almost exclusively used as a terminology of God helping the weak. It isn't really about punishment, although that's included, because God will punish those who attack the weak, but it's really about restoring the life of the person getting attacked. And so he's saying, give me judgment because I'm being pursued wrongfully. The one who's chasing me is in error. 7. And a company of peoples compass thee, and over it on high turn thou back. It's like David is saying that his pursuers are also trying to pursue the Lord, and the Lord will be able to turn them back. This is an interesting perspective because by faith God is with us. He's saying, since you're with me, they're pursuing you as well, but you can make them turn back. 8. Jehovah doth judge the peoples. Judge me, O Jehovah, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity on me. Integrity is when you always do the right thing, even if it causes you personal pain or suffering. And that's what David was doing at this time. He kept honoring Saul. He refused to say anything against Saul or to attack Saul, although he had the physical strength to kill Saul. He refused to kill him at least on two occasions when he could have. And he says, I have practiced integrity and I have not attacked the man who you anointed to be king. So please be on my side because of that and deliver me from him. 9. Let, I pray thee, be ended the evil of the wicked and establish thou the righteous. He says, please establish my kingdom and bring Saul's kingdom to an end. But notice that he wants the Lord to do it. He doesn't want to do it on his own. David could have taken matters into his own hand and killed Saul and put the crown on his head and said, okay, we're done. Now we can move forward. But David, in his humility, refused to take matters into his own hand. He kept waiting on the Lord and waiting until the Lord would establish his kingdom. And this is a really important concept that you and I must grasp, waiting on the Lord. David shows us the importance of letting the Lord do things in his own time. And a trier of hearts and reins is the righteous God. That means that God tests our hearts and our minds. David is saying, because you know what's in our heart and our mind, you know that I am obeying you and that I need deliverance from King Saul. 10. My shield is on God, Savior of the upright in heart. He's saying that his shield is God. God is his protector. And he says, Savior of the upright in heart. So King David is saying, my heart is in the right place because I don't want to harm Saul. I just want to obey you. 11. God is a righteous judge and he is not angry at all times. The Lord doesn't hold a grudge against us. Once we repent, he loves to forgive. So we should never hesitate to repent. 12. If one turn not his sword, he sharpeneth. His bow he hath trodden. He prepareth it. 
David says that if the evil man will not turn back, then God will make his bow ready to attack the evil man. So God always gives us a chance to turn away from our sin first. 13. Yea, for him he hath prepared instruments of death, his arrows for burning pursuers he maketh. David says, for the evil man who refuses to repent, God has burning arrows ready to kill him. This means that eventually Saul will die if he doesn't repent, and that is what happened. Saul ended up dying in battle. 14. Lo, he travaileth with iniquity, and he hath conceived perverseness, and hath brought forth falsehood. This is a metaphor talking about a man giving birth to his own sin. 15. A pit he hath prepared, and he diggeth it, and he falleth into a ditch he maketh. The old saying about digging your own hole, that came from Psalm chapter 7, because that's what King David said, a wicked man digs his own hole that he falls into. And you do that by telling lies and harming other people and being proud. All those things will cause you to dig your own ditch or your own grave. 16. Return doth his perverseness on his head, and on his crown his violence cometh down. This is a prophetic statement that eventually Saul is going to die by his own vanity, and that is what happened. He went to battle when he shouldn't have, and he didn't ask the Lord permission, and he died in that battle, along with his sons. 17. I thank Jehovah according to his righteousness, and praise the name of Jehovah Most High. King David is praising the Lord in advance for his deliverance from King Saul, even though when he sang this song, he hadn't been delivered yet. And this is another great thing that you and I can do in prayer, is thanking God in advance. It shows that we believe in him, that we have faith in him, that we know he's going to triumph. Lord, I thank you in advance for this healing or this deliverance or this person hearing your voice or whatever it is. And that concludes Psalm chapter 7.